We're learning eight steps to a new you. First step, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We learn that poor in spirit means that you realize you have got nothing to offer to God, nothing to bring to Him, nothing that would make Him love you, nothing that would make Him accept you. But when you cry out for mercy, He does, because He does love you. He does accept you just the way you are. And then He puts you back together and makes a new you. That's the love of God. That's the power of God. That's His amazing, amazing grace. And that's what God does for us. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But now there's step two. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed, remember, the joy. Oh, the joy of someone who is mourning, for theirs is the king, for they will be comforted, the scripture says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First step, foundation. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, what are you mourning? Why is that so important? Mourning means to grieve. It's a response to something. What is it that we're mourning? We're mourning that we're poor in spirit. We're mourning the years that we lived our lives without God. We mourn the life that we lived, damaging ourselves and others. We mourn our own death, for the wages of sin is death. We mourn that state of sinfulness and separation from God. We mourn that The way we've lived has kept us apart from Him for so long. We mourn that we have no hope, none at all in ourselves. That causes us great, great grief. We die to the things that are killing us anyway. I don't want to give up my drinking. Well, it's killing you. I don't want to give up my lust. It's killing you. I don't want to give up my control of my life. That's killing you. Anything that we hold on to that we think makes us better or that we just don't want to surrender That's going to kill you anyway, for the wages of sin is death. You're not mourning, you know, over the violence in the world. You're not mourning over global warming. You're not mourning over politics. You're mourning over your spiritual condition. There's a story in the book of Psalm, or rather in 1 Samuel, the story of David and Bathsheba. And David writes about it in Psalm 51. You remember the story. It says, in the time when kings usually go out to war, David stayed home. He should have been out with his men. He should have been doing the right thing, leading his men against the adversaries, but he didn't. He was tired. He said, oh, been there, done that. You know, they can handle it. I just want to take it easy for a while. And so he stayed home. And when he stayed home, there was no accountability. And while up on the roof one night, he looks down and he sees beautiful Bathsheba taking a a bath. He sees her. He wants her. He calls for her and takes her, realizing that she was the wife of one of his greatest warriors. He didn't care. He tries to cover it up by sending her husband home so that he might sleep with her um, because David had gotten her pregnant. He sends him home so that he might sleep with her so they would think that the baby was the husband's. But the man was too honorable for that, saying, how can I sleep with my wife when, my, when my, my comrades are out on the battlefield? He wouldn't do it. So David sends him back out to battle and puts him in the worst part of the fighting, and he dies. He gets killed. Well, God reveals all this to a prophet named Nathan, and Nathan confronts David, and the judgment of God falls upon them that the baby that's born to Bathsheba dies. 
And as David is crying out, he cries out in Psalm 51, a psalm of mourning, a psalm of grieving over what he had done, a, 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 just a brokenness, crying out to God against you and you only have I sinned. It's a very strange statement when he'd sinned against Uriah, the husband, he'd sinned against Bathsheba, uh, Uriah's wife. David already had wives, but he took this new one anyway. He sinned against many people, but his cry was God against you and you alone because he's talking about his own sin condition. This is the kind of mourning God promises to comfort. What kind of mourning is guaranteed to be comforted by God? How does it fit into the, into the steps of the Beatitudes? Well, let's figure this out. Mourning is the essential heart attitude that you must experience before you can truly realize the joy of the Christian life. David wrote again in another place, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Renew a right spirit in me. If we never come to grips with the severity of our own sin, we will never experience real joy. If we never truly mourn our sinful state, we'll never truly begin to be able to rejoice in the wonder of God's grace. The mourning over our sin is what brings the comfort. We'll be comforted when we mourn that way. True comfort comes when you realize all that you've been saved from. Pious appearances and false fronts do nothing for the cause of Christ. Only the true, natural depth of a life separated unto God with a sincere hatred for anything that put Christ on the cross has has an effect in a searching world. What's the difference between feeling bad and really mourning? Well, the Bible has something to say about that because a lot of us feel bad. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, yeah, I've got some regrets. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm kind of sad that it turned out that way. That's not mourning. That, that's, that's bad feelings. True mourning has action attached to it. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 to 11, describes the difference between feeling bad and truly mourning. In 2 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, and he calls it the difference between earthly sorrow and godly sorrow. Here's what he writes. Even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were, be, you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so you were not harmed in, in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. See, worldly sorrow feels bad. Oh, I wish that hadn't happened. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I'm doing things I shouldn't right now, but... uh, you know, hopefully God, hope God will understand. Well, it's not about God understanding. It's about you not understanding. You don't understand that you're, 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 you're cutting joy out from under your own self. World, godly sorrow produces results, produces action. 
What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. You ever woken up suddenly with a loud alarm? You jump out of bed, immediate action. Do we, do we jump out of sin into immediate action of repentance? Repentance and mourning are, are very tightly connected. If there is no life change, then there's no real repentance. If nothing happens as a result of your mourning, if you just mourn and feel bad and don't change, then it does no good. Don't tell me you're sorry. Change. Worldly sorrow leads to death because it doesn't lead to any life change. It doesn't lead to any decisions. Feeling bad is useless unless there is action taken to change the behavior. Repentance is a 180 degree turnaround. Are we mourning just because you got caught? Are you mourning because you don't like the consequences or condition you're in? Are you mourning because you've sinned against God? Godly sorrow leads to repentance, repentance, which leads to comfort, the comfort of salvation. You go to a funeral and maybe the person doesn't know Jesus. Mourning the dead person is just feeling bad because nothing's going to change. Mourning a Christian brings comfort because you know where the person is and you know you're going to see them again. Sorrow without repentance doesn't produce comfort. Being poor in spirit is the analysis of the situation. I realize my position. I'm a sinful, hopeless, helpless person when it comes to God's redemption. Mourning is the reality of where I am. It's I feel it and I'm, I'm wanting to do something about it. I'm going to change the way I live. Each one of these eight steps forces you back to poor in spirit and mourning forces you back to understanding who you really are before God. Second Corinthians 12, nine to 10 says that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, I will delight in my weakness for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the understanding of poor in spirit and mourning that I know I'm weak, but oh, I'm so glad I'm weak because if I'm weak and I've got nothing, then his strength will be made perfect in me. And now I can no longer mourn, but experience the comfort of God because his strength is filling me. His power is, is coursing through me. The comfort is the forgiveness of God, that there's no more regrets. He's wiped them away. As far as the East is from the West, your sin is separated from you. Isaiah 61 says this, that God is is there to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the the darkness, or to release from darkness the the prisoner, to comfort all those who mourn. Jesus' objective was to cause us to see that we're poor in spirit and to make us mourn so he can comfort us with his forgiveness. When he comforts us with his forgiveness, we become joyful. Oh, the joy who know, uh, is the person who knows they're forgiven. Here's some action steps today in regard to your worldly sorrow versus godly sorrow. Pray, first of all, Psalm 139, as David wrote, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. God, I don't want anything between us. Number two, admit your weakness. Admit that you're poor in spirit. Number three, recognize what your sin cost Jesus. Your sin hung him on the cross. And you know this? 
he knew he was dying for your sin when he was there. The God of the universe knows past, present, and future. And he had you on his mind when he opened up his arms, had them nailed to the cross, and said, it is finished. Not his life is finished, but the payment for your sin is finished. That's what gives us comfort. Number four, take steps to change the behavior and everything that leads to that behavior. Take the steps today. Write them down if you have to. Get help. Do whatever you've got to do to take steps to change the behavior that's separating you and God. And last, enjoy the comfort of living at peace with God. You are now at peace with God. Oh, the joy of mourning, for you will be comforted. Better to weep now and laugh for an eternity than laugh now and weep forever. This is Pastor Greg, Life 66. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God bless you.